This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things in pop culture, history, and sports, and we try to figure out exactly where it all went off the rails. I am joined as always by my co-host, Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing today, man? I am doing so good. This was such a fun episode. Uh, we got to talk with James Breakwell today about one of your favorite topics. What was that? The Alien movies. The alien movies I, am, I love these movies so, so much and i think i scared you like halfway through because i kept raising my hands like interject points i was like actually that's not a plot hole this will come into play <laughs> in alien covenant 30 years from now it is my favorite thing in the world when when gets excited it was fantastic it was so fun to watch and i got to learn stuff i mean again as always you guys know i researched this but i got to learn a bunch of stuff here of course for me once we just watch it i got to watch great movies and uh, we are joined today by james breakwell who has a new book coming out how to be a man whatever that means less in modern masculinity from a questionable source and you might know him as well on the internet from exploding unicorn uh he is all over as well as explodingunicorn.com uh, and all over twitter and uh yeah he wanted to come in today to talk about a franchise we absolutely love that absolutely took a wrong turn so it was really fun to get into oh this was so much fun and just listening to james talk about his book i kind of wanted to all like i love the alien movies i kind of wanted to hear more about this book. i want to go get the book this is actually sincere this, he's not paying us for this plug i'm i want the book it comes out uh early June. So please keep an eye out for that because it's going to be very good. But in the meantime, let's get into the horniest alien movie possible. And I say this knowing that alien is based on a very horny premise. Let's go. James, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, if you fast forwarded past our intro, never do that, by the way. But if you did, we're here with James Breakwell today. James, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for being here. I am pumped to talk about aliens. <laughs> I, it, it, it's weird to me that I am this excited about something that's so old. But man, let, let's do this. It holds up, though. It's easy to get into. It holds up. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I love these movies so much. But before we talk about these movies, I definitely want to talk about your book, How to Be a Man. And whatever that means. Tell me more about it. All right. So the title is How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, Lessons in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. And I am actually reading the title off the book. Uh, I keep <laughs> making I keep making titles so long, I can't remember them all. It's, it's a curse. If, you, if you're going to write books, a uh, pro tip, just make it short as you can. Uh, but it's, <laughs> basically, it's a, it's a collection of my funniest stories from throughout my life. So every day on Twitter, I tell stories about my kids that are happening in the moment or inspired by my kids in the moment. And every week of my new email newsletter, I tell stories from that week. But again, it's in the moment. So this time what I did is I went back and said, you know, I've been through a lot of weird, random, funny stuff has happened over the last 35 years. Let's let's go back and take all those best stories and put them together. Uh, you know, stories of uh, law and gnome thefts and encounters with the law, the full court press to turn me into a priest. So there's just the, the, the time a bull almost killed somebody in my family. It's just like all sorts of weird stuff with this uh, with this funny veneer and the whole the whole uh, guiding principle that ties it together is what lessons about manhood did these teach me did they teach me the right lessons uh spoiler alert no not at all but I, def <laughs> I definitely learned something i don't know quite, quite what i learned but it took me sixty thousand words to explain it so this is uh this is the favorite book that i've written so far and uh i, I really hope people uh people get a chance to do it i show I, I show some uh some stuff about myself i've never shown before there's some them stories in there i didn't think i would ever tell publicly and they're out there now for better or for worse probably for worse but hey it's, <laughs> it's way too late to pull back publication now so it is what it is i'm really excited to read this i also love how quickly we went right from priest to bull murder i mean that's that's a good teaser that's gonna have some good content in there for hitting that switch that fast that's the yin and yang of everybody's teenage years right yeah <laughs> oh for sure hey i gotta say there's there is a link to people who are just like pushed to priesthood that became comedians i really feel like there's a lot like i think it's just like oh there's a spotlight people have to hear me talk because what is a homily if right. not doing a tight 20 and you can you can find it's kind 
kind of like, I, I would say priests and teachers. You can always tell the teacher who really wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And sometimes they're <laughs> great and sometimes not so much, but you got to laugh either way or you fail. So that's, that's so much power over your life. Oh, I've had so many. I've had so many of both the priest and teacher categories. <laughs> I do love the idea of Wen trying to talk his way into heaven with <laughs> what is a homily if not a tight 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's my, that's my best shot. <laughs> I think you just got the idea for a TV pilot right there. Yeah. <laughs> put that out you're good to go all right we're gonna cut this part that's a really good idea actually we don't want to give that out for free <laughs> we're not gonna write this right as soon as we've had finished the show but james you want to talk about the alien franchise i did and you know it's one of those weird things where these movies have been sitting out there in plain sight for forever and i just kind of ignored them for 20 or 30 years and now got around to watching them and i watched them because they were going to leave hbo go they're like you you have one week left or you have to pay for them and i was like well now obviously i need to watch all of them in a row and i thought i kind of knew what was going on i'd seen most of the first one and uh, I thought I'd seen the second one it turns out I'd seen none of the second or third one I actually what I'd seen was the fourth one Alien Resurrection because I don't know if you guys remember in the olden days of cable TV they just show the same movies over and over again whenever right. they got the rights too cheap and I thought I, I saw can, most I can of recite that. Con Air I can And when it's on TV, it takes up a six hour block of time with commercials. So Alien Resurrection, it seems like was always on. So I went in there thinking, yeah, I know all this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a superstar with this. And then I watched and realized I knew nothing about Alien start to finish. And I was pleasantly surprised, then blown away, then kind of uh, underwhelmed and then just crushingly disappointed. Like it was a whole roller coaster of emotion <laughs> uh, going through those first four movies. And I didn't even make it to number five, which I, I did see in theaters once upon a time but alien versus predators is best left forgotten so let's stick to those first four they've actually Perfect. removed alien versus predators from canon because disney's gonna be doing an alien series and they really? announced that it's the first alien story that takes place on earth and everyone went well like no but alien versus predator was on earth and they were like fuck you guys first one on earth didn't count Disney <laughs> probably didn't say fuck you but that was clearly the message behind it their so, intention yeah. was to say fuck you they're just yeah. like look <laughs> yeah. all those luke skywalker books you like they don't count anymore alien right. versus predator <laughs> It's fucking gone. The Incredible Hulk, we don't acknowledge it anymore. <laughs> did Did you guys read those expanded universe uh, Star Wars books that are no longer canon? No. A few. Yeah, of course. When, yeah, when knows his stuff. <laughs> I have a friend who collected every Star Wars book ever written, and I borrowed probably a third of them. Read quite a few. There was some good stuff in there. Like, boy, all this Star Wars trivia, I got to internalize. And then one day, uh, Disney just snaps its fingers and it's all gone. It's like, wow, my useless trivia is even more useless than before. Like there's a level below useless, the sub basement of useless. And that's where my Star Wars trivia now is. So it, it pleases me that something I didn't care about, Alien versus Predator, has also been relegated to that sub basement. Because unlike the Star Wars expanded universe, I think Alien versus Predator probably belongs down there. And actually in preparing for this show, I quickly, you know, crammed through the Wikipedia entries because I had a few drinks when watching these movies and wasn't sure I remembered them 100% right. That's right. I read, the, it, yeah. I read the plot for Alien versus Predator. And like in the earlier movies, it's like a huge thing of like, we can't let aliens get back to earth we can't let aliens get back to earth and then the premise of aliens versus predator is oh by the way aliens have always been on earth it's like well that that seems like a yeah, bad just plot point everything yeah yeah <laughs> so we're gonna let Wen get to some of the the franchise background here but first i want to talk about the interconnectedness of these movies because there was so much tie-in that I didn't realize, like Predator 2, people know about the uh, the alien skull in the, in the trophy room. But all right, so here's the timeline of these movies that we have first. Prometheus is 2089 through 2093. And this is actually the fifth alien movie, but takes place first as a prequel. I, You are not going to guys, we're going to remember all this. You can feel free to write it down, but you probably don't <laughs> need to know it. Alien Covenant, 2104, that would be the sixth movie. Then Alien, the first movie is 2122. Aliens, 2179. Alien 3, same thing just like next day 2179 then alien resurrection 2379 so this is the timeline of the actual alien movies and then you've got the alien vs predators which are just 2004 year it was made in 2007 they went back to 2004 so they didn't have to figure out what happened in those three years in real life <laughs> So then Predator 2 takes place in 1997, Alien Skull in the Trophy Room. The big surprise here, Blade Runner, set in 2019, which was like two years ago. None of that happened, so we're still okay, I guess. Ridley Scott said in an interview that he saw the world is linked. Uh, he said the world could easily be the city that supports the crew that goes out in Alien. And he talked about them, you know, possibly going into this bar here. So they, there was a connection here. I mean, that just kind of sounds like somebody asked him like, hey, you directed these two sci-fi movies. Are they connected? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, sure. 
sure, they're connected. <laughs> and they were like, cool, 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 cool. It, it absolutely could have been a, a throwaway. Here's the reason I think there actually might have been some background to it, because Soldier follows a group of orphans born in 1996, raised to be perfect soldiers, says it right in the name. A montage shows them through training and 40 years of fighting, giving a rough timeline around 2040. And some of the wars the soldiers fight in are the same as replicant Roy Batty was a veteran of in Blade Runner. Soldier was written by David Peoples, who co-wrote Blade Runner, and said he views the films as occurring in the same years. Because it doesn't really have to include Alien, though. So, except the, in Blade Runner 2049, then, the replicants in jars that Kay sees while going through the Wallace Corporation have a resemblance to the engineers from Prometheus. And so there is a question of, like, were these Easter eggs? Or is it just, like, are there just only so many Alien stories you can tell? And at a certain point, <laughs> they overlap. <laughs> I think if you're Ridley Scott and you're directing a series of sci-fi movies of different types, you're just like, yeah, sure, I'll throw this in here. This is fun. I mean, yeah. And I like the idea, too, as long as you're making this many different movies, but they're all about the future. Yeah, time together. Why not? There's no harm in it. Also, in a strange one was Firefly has the Wayland yutani Corporation logo from Alien on one of the weapons in just like a quick shot scene, which obviously has no connection to this universe at all. Do you want me to tell you why you're wrong? <laughs> yes, please, Wed. I, I love your excitement when you know I'm wrong. Firefly was made by Whedon. By Joss Whedon or was, yeah. And Whedon also wrote the movie we're going to talk about mainly today, Alien Resurrection. Wait, did he oh. write it? Wrote it? Wow. Did he yes. write it? I knew he was involved, but no, he yeah, wrote Did you this. not realize that it was the horniest alien movie? Of course it was oh, written by Whedon. God, that makes so much more sense now. All right, well, now I got to watch this terrible movie again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is, the, the tie-ins here, the, the timeline is insane and there are so many of these let's start with alien just alien a fantastic movie i'm just gonna leave that hanging there a fantastic movie i mean you really can't argue it it, it kind of set up the the space horror genre i mean there were there were ones before it it's definitely a much slower paced movie i think that can be jarring to modern viewers i kind of put it in the same category as like 2001 a space odyssey or the first star trek movie where there was a little bit of artiness to it kind of just drifting out in space taking your time and i do like that i'm, I'm glad that the later movies got away with it or got away from that a little bit but that was enjoyable but my favorite thing about this movie is a, a weird detail that i don't think anybody else will care about when they go down to investigate that spaceship it's not a xenomorph spaceship it's it's somebody else's some other alien races spaceship that got taken over by the xenomorphs they don't just discover one alien species they discover two and they never really elaborate on that i, I thought that was pretty cool and actually maybe you guys can explain this is it clear in this if this is the first contact with like any intelligent life for the humans in this universe or or is this, are these just like one of many species? I, I could not get clarification on that. We know it's not first contact in the series because Prometheus and everything takes place beforehand. However, okay, I'm incredibly nerdy. So the, uh, the, the thing that's sitting there, the giant like being is referred to by fans as a space jockey because it looks <laughs> like he was like a disc jockey sitting behind a giant turntable to them at the time. So they just called it a space jockey. So those are actually supposed to be the engineers that are in Prometheus just oh. wearing like a body armor because like they're just driving like that's how they drive the ship they wear full armor which sounds terrible if I had to put on a full tuxedo to drive my car <laughs> that sounds insane but this movie the thing that I love about Alien was this movie shouldn't exist and be what it is uh, this was originally called Star Beast and it was going to be a low budget horror movie that the writers put out and Fox bought it because they were trying to capitalize on the success of Star Wars they're like a movie in space. Let's do it and throw a bunch of money at it and see if we can make a new Star Wars. And then they're like, okay, so it's going to be about a bunch of ragtag guys, just a bunch of guys being guys on a ship. And then like someone at Fox heard a rumor that some other studio was making a movie with a strong female lead. So they <laughs> went over to Tom Skerritt, who they had cast as Ripley, and they said, get the f fuck out of here. <laughs> and they replaced Tom Skerritt with Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Like the character was written as a man the entire time. Uh, and then they went to H.R. Geiger, who was a artist, uh, a Swiss artist who was known for making a bunch of like machine paintings and human like hybrid kind of paintings. They're like, we want you to design the aesthetic for the film. And he was just like, oh, space penis monsters. You got it. <laughs> and they're like, we didn't say space penis monsters. He's like, I'm already drawing. And like, he just like turned turned in 
what turned out to be the space jockey and the xenomorphs. And everyone just kind of looked at what was going and they were just like, this is going to be bad, isn't it? This is going to be really bad. And it, 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 it worked. Amazing. It worked perfectly. I think it has to do with the practical effects. It's amazing how quickly movies with CGI look terrible, like even a year later, sometimes even when they come out. Like I watched uh, Godzilla versus King Kong again because it was free. My kids wanted to see it. It's like, hey, I'm going to be a good dad. We're going to watch a, a brand new release movie. But like even as I watched it, it was like this CGI, it's, you know, it's there's no point when watching this that you don't know it's cgi but man those practical effects those things hold up forever especially when it's things that aren't alive like you know spaceships or things like that landing on an alien planet the movie you know is you know 30 40 years old and it's just flawless and even the alien which they were they seem kind of hesitant to show like in its full glory with a a close-up shot when they did show it you know it's it's a costume or animatronic or whatever it is i'm I'm sure you know the exact uh of exactness of what it is but it looks great i mean (laughs) And which is something by uh, by Alien 3, they discovered CGI, and it's really unfortunate because actually Alien 3 looks worse than Alien and Aliens, despite having better technology. I have such high esteem for the puppeteers that made these kinds of movies, because it, it, it is a combination of a guy in a suit and a puppet and an animatronic for the first two movies. They just went full on all out for those, and they look fantastic, but like you said, they also hide it. They know not to like show the full thing. The first alien is basically space jaws i have that exact line in my notes it is yes it's 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 that story and by the way the the puppet because i mean you've got a puppet bursting out of a guy's chest and they managed to make that scary like now obviously because effects are up there you can see it's a puppet and it's still like okay but you know what i'm picturing how bad this is going to hurt and it does its job and you what you had mentioned too about ripley originally being written for Uh, a man you know when we had maggie smith on to talk about pirates of the caribbean and she mentioned that they use the strong female lead as contrast where she's strong because she's not like the others and ripley isn't that ripley is just strong and she was such a great role model character because of this and it was obviously perfectly how she was written i don't know how much was was rewritten but it was written right it was like yes this is how you should write strong female leads too it was a, a fantastic job and i can't imagine anybody in that role but Sigourney Weaver and Tom Skerritt got bumped to the role of Dallas uh, which he did a good job in but it's you know Sigourney Weaver stole the show in every scene definitely and you could you could even you could swap the gender back and forth in the first two movies and yeah she you know it would be the same movie it's not until Alien 3 where they start getting into the the mother of all alien subplot which I'm really not a fan of but yeah once you get there it's like okay Ripley definitely has to be has to be female at this point that that, that's a whole different conversation though yeah they uh And that's it, because they, they do start to lean on that more and more. And the more they do, they, the more backwards, I think, they, they push it. Because she's just her own character. She she holds her own. And I think that that's obviously, as we get into to three and four, we're going to see more and more of that, where they're trying to add to the details. But ultimately, in, in the first two, it, she's just this person that's in a bad situation and becomes the ultimate badass in a, you know, she doesn't suddenly learn how to fight amazingly or anything either. She's just constantly struggling, but she's smart enough to get through. And it's such a great way to portray her. It's it's the Bruce Willis and Die Hard kind yes. of situation. <laughs> it's Jaws and Die Hard in space. Exactly. Wow. If that wouldn't sell a movie, I don't know what would. Yeah. <laughs> right? That That's what a perfect elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> but you were talking about the chestburster scene when that, when yes. that, when the alien first comes out, a fun thing about that, they set it, they set it all up uh, underneath his costume without telling the other actors. And so they had scripted the scene. So they're supposed to just start talking. And then like, they just said at some point, go for broke. And so like everyone else, like, freaks out because they've never seen the effect before so like all of them freaking out like that is a legitimate like oh, thing of amazing. them just like of them just going like what the fuck is because it was not supposed <laughs> to happen at that point in the scene or anything like that that's, that's incredible, incredible. Oh, also this is, gonna be out, <laughs> this is gonna be out in like three weeks but today alien is actually a trending topic because someone had on twitter because someone had posted saying can it be a horror movie if it takes place in space which i don't know why that's debate because yes this was scary <laughs> but wasn't the tagline in space no one can hear you scream right yeah. like this was very clear so this was a debate. I think this person was was claiming that this wasn't really a horror movie, but it's like we saw the movie that I was scared. That feels like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems kind of arbitrary to limit it based on uh, like location. Like you can't you can't have a horror movie on a boat. You can't have a horror movie in a cornfield. Like you can have a horror movie anywhere. If it scares you, it's a horror movie. Uh, as proven by the movie that gave me the most nightmares when I was a kid, Event Horizon. That thing scared me oh. too. Oh bad. my god! Yes, me too. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a what a horrifying movie that was. That was one of those movies I watched and I was like, what a what a great movie I'm never going to watch ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever had that reaction with Event Horizon and Hereditary. Those are two movies where I was like, what an incredible film that I'm that you cannot pay me to watch yeah. ever again. <laughs> and this was this was during my, you know, phase where there was that full court press to turn me into a priest. So like the the jumping straight to hell and jumping back like that hit very close to home. I was like, oh, oh man, this no. could be the- <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could not have scripted a movie better, better organized to terrify me at that particular point in my life. Oh, they, they were really pushing you towards that priesthood. <laughs> You're like, I want to be an astronaut. And they were like, oh, really? Do you still yeah. want to be an astronaut? <laughs> but I will say something that's really good that I think later on we're, we're going to get into how they kind of took the subtext and made it text. That's a good way to put it. That was really the issue. It was that this movie was brilliant because of the subtext. The subtext of Alien is that it is sexual violence. That is what the first Alien is. That's what's part of the horror is. It is this thing that uh, jumps out, attacks you, penetrates you, and then leaves you impregnated with its own breed, with its own offspring. That is a terrifying thing. And like, I think for a lot of people, it, it's su- it's subtext they don't think about when they're watching the movie. It's just like an alien movie. But if you look at the aliens themselves, they're like, they're very phallic and they're very like, they're, they're very like sexual looking creatures, which was on purpose, but it was all supposed to be subtext. And later we'll get into how somebody couldn't just keep it there and they <laughs> had right. to get too fucking blatant with it. I mean, I, by the way, as, as our listeners know, I'm the movie idiot. I did not notice any of this, but now that you say <laughs> it, I'm like, oh my God, that is, I'm so upset right now. This was what their experience is so instantly a thousand times worse. And you're right, because there, there was hints of it. It's not like anything you just said surprised me. It's like, oh, right, this was, this was all there, but I didn't notice it. They just leave it there. They leave it for, for you to figure out, or, or if in my case, if you're too dumb to figure out, just feel and be upset about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's why. a primal fear. It is right. a primal just like you know you know why it's upset you know it's upsetting to you even though if you don't analyze every reason why exactly which i also think is why ripley is a great hero for a franchise like this because she is the one who who beats this monster and like that's what's so cool about alien and aliens and let's move on to aliens what a fantastic movie (laughs) this is james yeah you had even said before we started that that you thought this was superior yeah i was i said that other than the Terminator franchise where I think Terminator 2 is better than Terminator 1 is just so rare to have a sequel that's better than the original and I think this one is and I think part of it has to be that it feels like a more modern movie despite using it still has all those same great practical effects and all of that still the same tight screenwriting but it's a much more action-packed movie but it still works it takes something that was just lurking around corners in the dark and you only saw flashes of it and all of a sudden there's a mob of these things and I think that's the logical progression and they handle it really well and they also they handle the isolation they handle the the whole you know ripley can't catch a break like she she goes to sleep she wakes up and she's right back in it they send her back out there i just i i love the intensity of it i mean the, the, now later on the, the that trick is they repeat it four movies in a row gets a little old but at this exactly. point i think it's still pretty right. still pretty fresh and then what i love is that i thought at first what was a big plot hole i thought it was a coincidence that that colony got wiped out right when she woke up and it's like well that's a little you know that, that seems a little weak but it turns out that she wakes up she says hey guys there's an alien ship there and the corporation says hey there's an alien ship go check it out and then they all get wiped out so she is the catalyst for them getting wiped out and i just i I love the way all those parts click together Uh, i don't i don't really have any issues with this movie i think it's great top to bottom i completely agree i love it also big paul reiser fan i like seeing paul (laughs) reiser pop up in unexpected places yes oh see i'm a i'm a bill paxton guy right (laughs) bill paxton popping up in this game over man just fan (laughs) no that directed by James Cameron. So you had mentioned that Terminator 2 is better than Terminator 1. I think nobody gets audiences better than than probably 80s and 90s James Cameron. I think there's yeah. there's something that he understands about human psyche that he's just like he could pop out a hit at a moment's notice if you want him to. Cuz like who who this was a horror movie and he was like what if we turned it into the biggest fucking action movie you've ever seen in your life <laughs> and they, they did something great which is they kind of gradually accelerated the action so at first Ripley's in the backseat and the soldiers are taking point they get wiped out she takes charge she's driving the vehicle then they're fighting you know and then they're working their way out then they accelerate and they go up to the point where she suddenly takes all the cool weapons and goes down a solo mission to, to save Newt the one kid survivor and then at the end she's in a freaking robot fighting an alien queen like it just 
keeps ramping up in intensity every time I thought, okay, this movie's done now. No, there was another level of craziness. I, I really appreciated that. I, I loved it. And what I, I loved too was that somehow none of this felt unreasonable. None of this. Yes. I mean, obviously we've got an insane story here, but it's not like they suddenly gave her skills that she didn't have. Like, no, she got in the robot. She, she knew how to handle the robot and she's now handling the robot. The robot being there was reasonable, despite the fact that everything was suddenly turned up to a hundred. She's just handling it. And uh, also for like all intents and purposes, this happened to her yesterday. It's been 50 years for them, but for her, like this just happened and she's just yeah. jumps back into it. And she's such a fantastic character. She's one that you want to win all the time. And they also, they have her character evolve in a way that makes sense. So in the first movie, we see her be a badass top to bottom she's the one who says we got to follow quarantine procedures we can't let you back in the ship and if they had listened to her of course none of the problems would have happened and the second one she comes right out and blurts out the truth i hate i hate movies where they play coy with it well, there's no time to tell you the whole story she gets to the corporation she tells them everything lays it on the table and then she goes but she has this other side that comes out in this kind of the maternal instinct but it works it, it comes in in a way that i don't think is uh is ham-handed it's like okay she's got this small person to protect and i guess there was a my wife when we watch these things she always reads all the IMDB stuff and I guess there was a subplot that that gets cut where she actually had a daughter who passes away right before she wakes up on earth and so that was it was supposed to be some parallels with her own daughter has passed away and now she's protecting this child I'm glad they cut that because I don't think it was necessary I think this just shows Ripley being more protective and more human it's not just her making sacrifices for the greater good it's her putting herself out there say I'm going to protect this small person uh, and I think it makes her even more heroic not only that but it sets up such a great contrast against the alien queen that is just breeding these things yeah. for, for war for battle they're they're just cannon fodder it the the whole thing is just it produces more and more so it can overwhelm a planet whereas she's protecting a singular child and and being a mater an actual maternal figure and i thought that that was actually a really i mean it's a, it's a really cool little parallel between those two it is it's so well balanced i mean the the in, entire movie is both both of them them were but yeah I, I think you're right it was a, a way to very clearly show humanity because this is supposed to be a fight for this child but also obviously her understanding of we can't let these things expand and grow and reach Earth as, as was in the first one that that yeah they, they do this good job of tying humanity into every fight uh which was a, a very cool way to to you know just dig deep into the emotion of it not only that but the first two movies do a great job of actually like letting you meet these characters and knowing what they're about right like everyone has their distinct personality every mercenary in aliens has a distinct personality they have their own relationships with each other that you could tell from lines of dialogue right. they are all fully developed characters that when they die, you're upset about it. Right. Which is a huge departure from yeah. Alien 3. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one we'll talk the least about. Right, because Alien 3, I, I think when that you had said, it's it's just bad, but it's pointlessly bad. <laughs> you know, there's not a, a lot there that's even accomplished. It just misses it. It just doesn't have anything that, that Alien 1 and 2 uh, had actually achieved. It's, again, immediately afterwards and just the same thing. Yeah, and they, I feel like they, they undid a lot of good things that had happened before. Four. Uh, so yeah, they repeat the same trope. She wakes up and like, oh, we know it's the same thing. So for her, this is like day three, like you know, or, or pretty close to it of this the alien worst saga. Fucking week. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, but like, she suddenly reverses course. So the first time she wakes up, when she's back on Earth or in orbit above Earth, she tells everybody everything. Here's the whole story. You guys need the info, which there's no reason not to tell everybody. But this time she lands on the prison planet. And she's like, I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm gonna keep this close to my vest. And there's like this whole subplot about her convincing them to do autopsy and burn the bodies and she won't explain why and there's there's absolutely no reason for the secrecy because later on she blurts it out anyway she's just quiet about it for an hour for no reason right. they all they also changed the rules for the face huggers like it's pretty clear in the first couple movies that the the face huggers impregnate one person and then they die like that's over with right. yeah and this is a plot point that confused me i had to go back to wikipedia to make sure i wasn't remembering it wrong so once again a face hugger snuck onto a ship and made it through and it impregnated ripley and it impregnated her with the, the queen but then it also impregnated the dog and the dog uh xenomorph hybrid that's what runs around killing every which buddy which by the way that was the cgi one it looks terrible they they show it in all its glory and they would have been better off with a puppet in the shadows they really would have been that's probably the worst part of the movie is what the alien actually looks like but yeah it, it can apparently impregnate multiple people now james i'm gonna i'm gonna cut you off real quick here just to just to combat your point because at one point they show what the dog is where it's clearly they put a mask on an actual dog in shadow really? and it looks terrible <laughs> 
terrible. <laughs> oh, apparently I was not watching that closely enough. I guess I, guess I should probably study these things a bit more before I start ranting. If, if you <laughs> in, but. No, 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 you're right about everything else except that one shot where it was so clearly a dog in a mask that it made me laugh. Oh, I well. think we need to question here what the plan for the alien biology is that for every other, they're just putting an entire alien in us. It's an egg that hatches. But for the dog, somehow it has a genetic mutation. Like, is it using the, I, I don't understand the biology behind this, which is not the biggest issue. Wen has another answer. I love this. Wen, what have you got? So the, the aliens actually do take on characteristics of their hosts. So the aliens, the xenomorphs that come out of people are going to be different than the ones that come out of dogs. They are all going to have their own physicality traits altered based on what species they inserted themselves into. I love this. I, I, I love when you know <laughs> so much about a subject. That's incredible. That was something else I missed, too. I was just as confused as you were there. And I had to have my wife explain it to me in the middle. I was like, why does this one look different than the other ones? Because it's not at all clear. It just looks like a worse alien than the other ones. And I thought maybe that was why they weren't showing it to us before i'm a huge nerd and of course i've read everything there is to read <laughs> on xenomorphs but quick back up here james because you mentioned the face huggers that is the most adorable term the fact that they made it terrifying is really yeah. a feat like if you had, had no familiarity with with aliens and you heard the term face hugger it's like oh like a teddy bear kind of thing maybe like it's not the most <laughs> pleasant hug but i would assume something adorable and the fact that they made this so horrifying was really impressive and i think this is the first movie where they actually make the alien less scary and they do that in a couple ways first they do it by showing the alien but second they do it by talking about what a perfect killer this thing is and as you watch it it's really not that great of a killer like in the first alien movie like it pops around a corner and it pauses for half a second in front of you and that's terrifying but you realize when it pauses before every single person it kills like that's really not a good killing strategy <laughs> at all like hey i'm here i'm gonna kill you but first i'm gonna stand perfectly still it just it, it was and then like when it when it goes and it's pretty clear it's not going to harm uh, Ripley, at least not before she gives birth to the sailing queen. I mean, that really removes a lot of tension too, because the one character you actually care about, you're like, oh, she's completely safe. Okay, that that removes a lot of the drama right there. Okay, on to the next scene, I guess. That's very true. And I, I think it does just in, enhance the fact that this was supposed to be Jaws in space, where it's like the, the shark, they're able to consistently save perfect killing machine, but for its environment, which is why yeah. it's scary, because you're stuck in the ocean, which is not your environment. Space is presumably supposed to be the same thing we're not our environment and theirs but you're it's, it's on our ship how is this a perfect killing machine i get that we're having a hard time killing it but i also never understood the whole why do companies need this thing so bad we are way in the future you don't have guns that can do this by now like i mean get rid of the guns but yeah. you, you've got plenty of stuff you're using here. Have you not invented any weapon better than this thing you found? And Aliens 2 makes it pretty clear that, like, you can shoot these things and they die. Like, they, they fly apart with bullets and explosives and all that. So they're really not invulnerable at all. So in Aliens 3, they had to make it whole. We, we don't have any guns right. now. Isn't that convenient? And terrifying in Alien 1 because you're on a spaceship and you if you shoot them, they bleed acid, which is going to eat yeah. your ship and get you sucked into space. That's a terrifying premise that you can't even damage it because it might send you hurtling into space so once you take out that risk it's like oh okay so can we just can we just start killing them then like maybe from a distance don't want the acid on me personally but other than that we're fine <laughs> which by the way if these things are the perfect killing machine why can't they just spit the acid like that becomes a plot point <laughs> alien resurrection it's like we, the most deadly thing about them is their blood and the only way to get out get it out of them is for them to be hurt or you know blown apart or something like that it's like what if they could just spit saliva on you and burn through anything i mean that it's more powerful than any bullet and they just like yeah we don't need that we're already perfect. Which I think ties in perfectly to Resurrection because Resurrection basically switches from the Jaws to space to Jurassic Park in space. <laughs> so we're talking about here's where it went wrong now. We're fully oh, in. Yeah, to let's here's get into yeah. it. Well, let, what, before we do it, I just want to say the only notable thing about Alien 3 is that it's directed by David Fincher, who's one of our best working directors right now. Oh, yeah. And he <laughs> made Alien 3. That's wild to me. It makes no sense. It's, it's just a fun little cliff note about a movie that is entirely forgettable. Uh, so it ends with <laughs> Ripley throwing herself into some lava while a chest burster is coming out of her chest and she dies. So 
Where did it go wrong, James? <laughs> well, the, the Alien movies, they, 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 get, they have a recurring problem of erasing all the progress from the previous movies. So in Alien 3, at the start of it, Alien 2, or Aliens, Ripley fights the whole time to save Newt. Start of Alien 3, by the way, Newt is dead. The kid died anyway, so right? thanks for working so that. hard for that. Ah. It meant nothing. And then Alien 3, Ripley poignantly sacrifices herself to end the alien line. If this alien's going to be in me, I'm just going to die. This is going to be over. And Alien Resurrection's like, yeah, you die, but we brought you back anyway. You accomplished nothing with that sacrifice. Like the total emotional poignancy is completely removed. And then they get in there, and this is a, a plot point I meant to bring up earlier, but it, it does bother me about this. Still, like these are the perfect killing machines, but I'm not entirely sure why they even bother to kill. Like for you and I, like if we want to gain mass, we got to eat a bunch of food and go to the gym and work out. These things go to grow to like a hundred times their size within an hour, literally an hour, and they don't appear to need any food during that time. They defy all. <laughs> the laws of thermodynamics and if they can expand a hundred times in an hour do they really need to kill a crew full of people to eat them it's, it seems like they figured out some other form of sustenance i feel like the human killing is redundant i completely agree but i see when apparently already knows the answer to this please when uh -oh, tell us uh -oh. <laughs> yeah so if we we're not going to get into this movie today but according to alien covenant the alien species the xenomorphs were actually bioengineered by a cyborg based on the notes from the engineers who create life on planets and then just let it go wild uh, so this thing intentionally bred these things so that you could drop them on a planet and they would just consume everything and then die themselves <laughs> what kills them is it, is it cold or is it lack of food like what is the die-off mechanism they're supposed to eat all living breed with all sentient life uh and, and just keep perpetuating themselves until everything is dead and then there's no life left on the planet and then they die and it's supposed to be a whole thing of just like over like population control and to bring planets back to where they're supposed to be which is just plant life in general <laughs> i'm sorry that's not that that's why they exist <laughs> that actually is a horrifyingly deadly weapon that's way stronger than guns but also it's not a weapon you can use <laughs> that is clearly not something you should be messing with and when they they get into alien resurrection it's now no longer just a company now the military is trying to breed these things as a weapon which is is again just the the jurassic park of, of it all it's like no but we know how to handle it this time yeah. And we're going to make better versions. And it's, what, what can you possibly use these? How can you possibly think you can control these? And Jurassic Park, I believe it. Jurassic Park, I believe that they're just stupid enough to think like, you know what, dinosaurs, it'll probably be okay this time. Yeah. With this one, because of the buildup of how insanely deadly they are, I feel like, no, you you just, you have to know this is a bad idea. Yeah, and, and for the record, every time they have a new Jurassic Park movie, I just fully get behind the premise. I'm like, you know what, yeah. if, you, if we had the ability to make dinosaurs and dinosaurs killed everybody else who made dinosaurs, there would 100% be somebody else to be like, oh yeah, we're going to make dinosaurs. We mean we're not going to make dinosaurs. Come on. I'll be honest. If everything in every Jurassic Park movie has happened in real yeah. life and they open a new Jurassic Park, I would go. <laughs> I, would, I think I would be fine. That is terrifying and I would 100% do it too. I absolutely would. Yeah, I, I'd be there. I'd be there. I'd take, I'd take my family. I would just, if I had kids, I would hold them right. over. I would hold them up. I'd hold them up to get closer looks at the animals. Look, it very rarely happens happens on the first day like yeah. there's a while where the parks are okay just get in early enough maybe go like a month after they've ironed out the kinks if everyone's still alive <laughs> you assume they got it and then just just once though you're pushing your luck more than once but once i think i'd be okay so in this movie they clone ripley because they're like oh she had an alien inside of her and they end up creating for one dr gideon is the weirdest fucking character oh, ever yeah. in an alien movie he's like very aroused by the entire idea of what they're doing while also crying a lot it's a very <laughs> odd character but they bring her back and they're like oh she like they like try to give you clues that she has alien powers now she has their their genetic memory which means she has the original ripley's memories they're like oh uh she can now has special skills which they try to show in a basketball scene <laughs> <laughs> with just her constantly being faster uh than ron perlman and it was a very strange scene when I know you and I talked about this before. Like, I believe if you told me Sigourney Weaver could just do this, I'd be like, oh yeah, Sigourney Weaver could do that. I, <laughs> this is just, as far as I'm concerned, these are Sigourney Weaver powers and they wrote them into the movie. It was, it was absurd. I don't know how she would have gotten these. I mean, I get it. It's, it's yes, she's, she's got some of the, the DNA, but what are the alien powers that she's absorbing? Is it just reflexes or strength or what? Yeah. The, the aliens have not been shown to be good at basketball. On their own. 
<laughs> to that point, though, one of the trivia things that that did get read to me uh, while I was uh, watching this movie, kind of sorta, was that uh, that shot she makes over her back, she actually made that shot. Legend had it she made it on the first try, but it turns out it was like the millionth try, and they told her like, "This is your last attempt. Like, we can't stay here all day for you to make this." And she actually finally made it. So it's impressive that uh, unlike the uh, unlike the scene where the alien unexpectedly bursts out of somebody's chest, like the entire cast and crew didn't just lose their mind and totally ruin the shot. <laughs> they actually did have to cut away because one of the actors started breaking character to oh. celebrate making the shot. <laughs> <laughs> like you could, you could see one of them like start getting excited and then they cut it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was actually to see a, a clip of, of the shot being done from behind the scenes where you can see the cast or, and the uh, crew celebrating after they cut, um, which, which was cool. But yeah, I mean, when you're, you're right, it, it's what exactly, and then they also have shown at this point that because she got hit in the face and she's bleeding and her blood is acid now. So just these weird tie-ins of like, we get it, you're connected and maybe also psychically connected to the queen. She has this affinity for the queen now, which I think was the worst decision is that there is, and these things have done nothing but ruin her life. I get that you have some shared genetic experience now, but why is there any sort of sympathy, which is then negated after when Winona Ryder says you killed one of them. That's like killing your own people. And she said, we was in my way. It was like, all right, so do you, do you care or, or not? <laughs> what What is the message you're trying to convey? Not, you know, it seems weird to complain about the emotions in an alien movie, but they, they really do mess it up. So we get Aliens 2 where Ripley becomes more human. She cares about this child. Alien 3, she's just kind of weird. All of a sudden she's got this alien in her, but she sacrifices herself for humankind. Uh, alien 4, Alien Resurrection, she actually does bring the aliens back. And now she kind of likes aliens, but she also kills them. And the aliens sometimes try to kill her and sometimes they don't. And the whole, <laughs> the whole climax where this alien born out of the queen that's part human for some reason. And again, that, that's weird too, where it's, it has, because the alien came out of Sigourney Weaver to start, even though it looks like a fully normal alien queen, it's got her DNA. And now this thing, it comes out, it's born like a mammal or something. And then she's got this connection to this super ugly thing. And she also kills it, but she's sad about it. And it's like, I can't imagine anything that's harder for an audience to connect with. Everybody's sitting there just like, kill the damn thing. And and he she's here trying to have this whole emotional connection. I, I will say this for the writers though i mean they found a way to bring her back and keep the alien franchise printing money so i will give them props for like the core premise but like the execution especially by the end where like she's the queen of the alien family and likes her alien child and kills her alien child that 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 was not it that was not the place to end this after thing. the alien child kills the queen yeah oh it was on your side maybe here's yeah. okay so so this was written I'll, i'm gonna pronounce it i always pronounce it wrong is it joss or jose we Joss, Joss. Joss. So Joss Whedon wrote the script and you could tell because it is a very horny script. It's Joss Whedon and like a French director, which like you put those two together and you're going to get whatever alien resurrection is. And he's gone on record as saying like, they actually did the script exactly as I wrote it. They just executed every element of it badly. <laughs> I think seriously, I think he wanted it to be funny. Well, a couple of things of that. I think he meant it to be more Buffy-esque. I think he was supposed to be a little a little funnier, but with exactly the same way it was written. But like, I guess the director, so none of the actors are French, but I guess the director only spoke French and all of his directions were relayed through an interpreter. So given that, the, the movie is that probably- true? That's, that's what, again, this is secondhand, read to my wife from the, the trivia section in IMDb. So it has to be true. That kind of third-hand- <laughs> incredible so like the fact if, if assuming that's all true and i've not just told the biggest lie in all of podcast it's kind of remarkable that the movie came out as well as it did so props for that i mean yeah yeah true props because the only other movie i could think of that did that was trolls 2 so oh. it's trolls 2 <laughs> and alien resurrection that did this yeah. directing style but like it also seems like they're trying to rip off like oh so everyone liked the mercenaries and aliens well what if we had space pirates in yeah. alien resurrection and like it's like they don't give them any of the character development they don't have the scenes where all where they're all sitting around and like busting each other's chops and instead just has this one weird cutaway where like it's just someone's ass and there's like a foot massage and then it cuts away and it's never really established why that scene was there in the first place absolutely pointless i'm still not clear on if these pirates intended to hijack this installation or if they just went there armed just in case 
case to do a legitimate business transaction, and then they had to fight because they had what that one crazy android who tipped everything and turned it into a fight. Like even now, after watching the movie and reading Wikipedia, I don't know. And the worst part is, I don't think it even matters. <laughs> when was able to explain this to me a little bit? I think if your space pirates hired to bring in like cryo frozen people so that they could get impregnated by aliens, you know you're not on the up and up. So I understand <laughs> why the space pirates would bring guns. But the thing is, they go through a metal detector and they're like, no guns allowed. And they're like, these aren't guns. They're just bulky clothes. And it's just <laughs> like, what? That was it every time. It went, like Ron Perlman is holding a giant thermos and it's like, oh, thermos. And they're like, you don't want to look in. You can put guns inside things. Guns fit in stuff. They've got a guy with a wheelchair. Uh, by the way, the way that they portrayed disabled person bothered me because I don't know if he was supposed to be tokenist or if he was supposed to be a strong character. They kept going back and forth on that. So yeah, that, that but that was one of many problematic things. But yeah, they keep searching them for guns and it's like, or they keep waving the wand and every time they hit metal, as soon as they're shown the outside, they just decided is not possibly a gun and no more searching is needed. One of the things that bothered me the most was the like ship captain who was played by Carla's ex-husband from Cheers, <laughs> who is playing the role exactly like he's still playing Carla's ex-husband right. in Cheers. <laughs> Incredible acting choice. <laughs> it's, God, I mean, it, it was, it was very, I also felt like maybe, is he like almost doing a Richard Nixon impression all the time? <laughs> is that No, that's just, that. he's just a character actor and his character is that he said he does that like style delivery in every movie he's in and he's fun in a lot of things but you don't get like a funny character actor to play this part it's it's very weird and another thing that was weird to me was brad duraf uh of one flew over the cuckoo's nest and chucky fame was the dr gidman uh who i was talking about earlier who has this weird like have y'all seen the hellraiser movies I no not when you're gonna be alone on horror movies here <laughs> sorry well there's a character who's very similar it seems like they kind of imported it from that movie over to this one where it's someone who is so obsessed with the thing that they're studying that when he gets the chance to become one with it he immediately becomes like in obsessed and mad with power and like he just has this weird monologue where he's just yelling from a cocoon sack where he's just screaming at ripley this is your gift you gave her a human uterus and it's like why why is this why why <laughs> also i realize we have editing capability here we could have just gone back and both said yes and then been like oh i remember that scene but we're not going to do that anyway. uh, so um you know i because he's right he's doing this weird monologue where it's like it's killing you right now this is not this isn't what the project you planned was this isn't a win for you by any means you were trying to create a weapon you can use if it kills you that is not a win and then yeah then that's just that final line of, of you gave it this human reproductive system it's like okay what the whole thing that was its point was its way of reproducing would destroy a planet yeah. why does it need a human reproductive system ours is not you've that made great. it worse yes <laughs> <laughs> it's a definite downgrade, definitely. I've uh, I've been in the delivery room multiple times. The human way of delivering is not the way to take over the earth, yeah. not at all. Go back to your egg sacs. Like, I get it. We, it's what we have now, so we're working with it. But nobody yeah. would be, like, redesigning it. Like, you know what? We should take that method that absolutely everyone involved hates all the time. So, yeah, and, and then, of course, they do have this, that she gives birth to this new alien that's a little bit humanoid. It has, like, a human skull. Yeah, it has exactly. eyes. Right, yeah. the eyes were the, the big tail, and then of course they have the it's open its mouth, and instead of the tiny mouth, a human tongue comes out, and it licks Ripley like it's imprinted with it being its mom, which explains Ripley being sad when it dies. Except it might be evil still. Okay, let me let me see if I'm if I'm doing this correctly. Yeah. So the alien queen uh, was taken from Ripley. So yep. let's say that that's her, like, let's go that's daughter for, for alien Ripley. Yeah. So sure. so it's Ripley, queen, weird human hybrid thing, but weird human hybrid thing doesn't recognize queen as its mom and recognizes grandma as mom. Yeah. So it starts licking on her face, but then they have a really weird sensual scene where it seems like they're like, like kissing. I don't know exactly. <laughs> like they're rubbing faces a lot and it's, 
it's just like, what is, what's happening here? And she decides that she's going to use her acidic blood by cutting her hand in its mouth and then throwing her blood at the window to make it open up and suck the thing out into space. And in what is the weirdest CGI of just bits of alien going away? It's not like, it's not like it's ripping off like skin or bone. It's just CGI of just white stuff and red stuff going out into space. <laughs> Another thing that bothered me about that is like, this is what it look, would look like of a human and alien were combined, but like all the aliens that they were fighting with the exception of the dog one were already humans and aliens combined. Like that's what it was right from the start. A human alien combo was an alien one, a human alien combo where they were all over the ship and aliens. And then all of a sudden this time it's like, okay, you want, you took what you want one generation further and now they get weird and ugly. And it's like, I, I feel like you could have kept the alien the same and, and it would have, it would have been just as good. I think if they could have, I think they could have almost saved this movie if they had just cut the whole emotional connection subplot thing and just turned it into Jurassic Park in space. And I, I probably would have, I probably would have signed up for that. Yeah. If you told me it was Jurassic Park in space and you just cut out the, the weird imprinting stuff and also like the really strange scene where Sigourney Weaver is just like, they're close. And she's like writhing around on the ground. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> right. why are you, why is this movie so section like why <laughs> so blatantly sexual i know there was a sexual undertone to all the other aliens which made them scary but this one made it text which i guess is because of the french director was just like i don't have no any way to understand what you're doing unless we make this as blatant as possible <laughs> <laughs> a weird thing is that this movie goes back to practical effects and the practical effects look bad so i get that that scene where they're underwater uh and I, this is something i read a long time ago so i might be misremembering it but i believe the that in between scenes the people in those those were guys in costumes and they could not surface so th that my understanding is there were guys in costumes in that section at some point and they could not surface for air so scuba divers had to go down and give them oxygen and they were late and like they almost died underwater and when i watch those scenes I, they're terrible i'm like this this was not worth dying for this is not <laughs> worth dying for at all yeah the underwater scenes were very strange and i think it was supposed to be just another one of putting us out of our element again it showed that for some reason they can swim very well they can catch up with us and they, they even make humans swim worse than normal uh, to, to try and, and do this comparison and it, it was it was just all very strange choices and i think the biggest issue was was Wen's comment of they made all of these subtext text they removed any depth from the characters and one it was so interesting the way that they just had people talking talking over each other you didn't even hear what was said a lot of the times you had them interrupting each other when they had conversations that weren't relevant it felt the same way it does in real life people sitting around a table talking and it added a lot of depth to the characters and here they kept it was like they're trying to pull depth away and have them all be one dimensional you have ron perlman who's this badass who's mean for kind of no reason and then you have again the guy in the wheelchair who's this sympathetic role uh and then you've got uh, winona Ryder, who again we have have the uh <laughs> the robot come back here and winona Ryder. the surprise reveal that it's actually <laughs> a robot which they took from the other movies as well right we've yeah. already done this multiple times uh and then yeah and, and then just the depth by sucking it out through a hole in the weirdest way where it was like okay so it pulled it a little bit and then the inside I, it was it was the worst death scene and she's and Ripley is again just standing there like this I, I have at no point in this movie did I understand Ripley's emotional state she was a cross between numb and sad like the entire time but not at any of the stuff you would expect it was all backwards except this one time where she was better at basketball than normal <laughs> they should have had a scene where we saw Ripley play basketball beforehand so we know that this is a noticeable improvement right that's true because that was easily a normal human level of being good at basketball maybe this was just her hobby she's tall maybe this was just her hobby beforehand honestly i would have enjoyed this movie more if the entire if it was just space jam if this movie was space jam <laughs> with Ripley playing basketball i'm 100 in right now and i think part of the problem too was uh, it had walking dead syndrome so i was a huge huge walking dead fan for the longest time and i finally realized i had to stop watching because I realized no matter how far ahead they seemed to get, the next season, all their gains were going to be wiped out. All the new characters were going to die. And it was pointless. And like you got that, that you know, you get a whole new cast of characters this time. And it's like, well, there's really no point in learning about them. They're all going to die. Ripley's telling them they're all going to die. By the end, sure enough, they all die, except for like one other character who makes it with her. And I bet you if they, if they had had another movie set immediately after this one, they would have found a reason to kill off that character too, because they'd done it literally four movies in a row. Absolutely. Yeah, they were definitely going to, 
to kill Winona Ryder immediately at the beginning of (laughs) Alien 5. You were talking earlier about how they were going to say this is the first Alien movie that's going to take place on Earth, which was the original plan for Alien 5. And they went to Sigourney Weaver and she said, I don't want to see a movie where an alien pops out of a haystack. That's not what this series is about and refused to do it. Wow. I think, and again, this is the secondhand info from my wife reading IMDb, but I believe she had a quote that said, well, why did you agree to do Alien Resurrection? Because she said she was done after Alien 3 and her character died. So it seems pretty reasonable to conclude, you know, you're done with the series at that point. And she said something to the effect of, they basically backed up a dump truck full of money to my house. So the fact that the the plot for Alien 5 was so bad that even a dump truck full of money wouldn't get her to do it. I mean, that's really saying something because for money, she did agree to love her alien child. So that's really (laughs) sad. the bar yeah. pretty low. That sounds like the famous story about Michael Caine when they asked him about Jaws 4. Is it the what, the same thing? No, it was, uh, they asked him why he agreed to do Jaws 4. He said, to be honest with you, I've never seen the movie, but I have seen the house that it bought me, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think that about recaps the movie here. Uh, what we loved was Alien 1, uh, Aliens. What we hated was pretty much everything after, but in particular, Alien Resurrection, uh, where it just went so very wrong, which brings us to our next segment in their defense where one of us has to defend alien resurrection james what have you got for us i will say that in the sections where they use practical effects i think they use practical effects more in this one than they did in alien 3 and i I could be completely wrong on that but you know what if i say it on a podcast it's got to be true i think the special effects still look fairly decent in this one for the most part and what i really like was the slimy aliens i think they were slathering (laughs) with ky jelly or something but that that alien is just as slimy as it was at the start and when you look past the terrible plot and everything else if the alien still looks scary when it's right in your face even if it's taking an irrational pause right before it kills you there's still something there and the fact that the aliens are cool enough to even you know make merit anybody watching this movie with the plot as convoluted as it was really kind of speaks to what a, a solid core premise the aliens themselves are so i will give them props for that i will say so Ripley's character in this is actually referred to as Ripley 8. And you're like, why is she Ripley 8? They go into a laboratory where you see Ripley's 1 through 7 and it's horrifying. It is these weird abominations. One's alive and it just looks at Ripley and begs to be killed. And you're just like, this, like, that is horrifying. That one, that scene, I was just like, this is body horror to the extreme was really messed up the one thing that kind of took me out of it was like she somberly killed it with a fucking flamethrower why a flamethrower i was gonna make that point they're in a medical lab there were a hundred other ways to kill that thing it was the the single most painful way she could have ever conceived to kill shoot it first and then (laughs) flamethrower it like you like why are you doing it's alive it's asking to be killed and you go out of your way to pick a such a painful way to go and also then Ron Perlman, because she's obviously upset about this, realizing she's the eighth clone at the kill all these. And Ron Perlman has that line of like, oh, must be a chick thing. And it was like murdering your clones and feeling bad about it is a chick thing. Is this... <laughs> It was one of those things where, like, I felt like they're trying to drive home a character point, like, oh, this is who this guy is. But it was so pointless. It had absolutely no meaning. It was like, okay, so he just, does he just not understand anything (laughs) that's happening? I know we're now now dunking back on that scene, but everything that happened before (laughs) I thought was very creepy and very good. And I also liked, I know the the director didn't understand the, the words that were being said, but the man knows how to make a gothic spaceship look incredibly vast which was really cool no i felt legitimately nauseous at that scene i mean that was i i don't enjoy it because i don't like feeling nauseous but it was well done and it was it absolutely creeped me out my in their defense look you made a fantastic movie and then you made a second one that was somehow better how do you not keep making more i is this i feel like this is like when you're way up at a poker table and then you start going down (laughs) and you just keep putting more and more money into to it because you feel like I got to be able to get that back. I did better and better. And also, yeah, I mean, I would, if I was Sigourney Weaver, I would 100% say yes for probably significantly less than she was paid for it. I would do this for like maybe a couple thousand dollars, honestly. <laughs> it's a fantastic franchise that went so wrong. But like, honestly, Prometheus wasn't my favorite, but has some good stuff. When I know you really enjoyed it, they, they managed to find some ways back around here. So when is the right time to quit when you've got somehow two fantastic movies? You keep pushing and they push too hard and they went the wrong direction but i get the trying my my thing is they took significant time 
between making sequels. Yes. This wasn't the Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the 13th formula where there was one every year that would just come out and they were constantly in production. They were taking their time. They would really take five years, four to five years between making these movies. How do you take that much time and make this movie? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. I, I completely agree. No, I mean, the, the amount of effort that, that must have gone into this to have it be this level is severely disappointing. So I, I get the attempt, but God, it was such a miss. And uh, it's, it's a shame because it, it obviously you feel like you bring the whole series down, but then you rewatch Alien 1 or Aliens and it's like, oh yeah, but this is, this still somehow holds up this this still holds up like 40 years later yeah and if you're when prometheus and alien covenant like yeah. them both a lot <laughs> yeah and i was i actually did like getting the backstory there with prometheus because yeah they, they did create a world here but I, I think ultimately so much about it what was great in aliens was that it was just everything that was unsaid it was just that there was a constant aching fear <laughs> behind absolutely every aspect of it and you get to know these people without knowing anything about them it's not like they told us what the, you know the details of their past lives you just get to know a, a sense of who they are and the fact that absolutely everything was just hinted at was such a cool design and so hard to pull off so yeah, I mean, I, I think that about wraps it up for us. What do you guys think? Uh, I think so. I think we hit all the points. Uh, thank you so much for having me on here. I love talking movies, especially bad movies. If, if we only talked about good movies on here, I would have I would have been like, I, I can't do this. I can't I can't yeah. be that positive <laughs> for that long. If we talked any more about Alien or Aliens, James was just going to log off. Yeah. He was just going to get <laughs> back out. to me. Get back to me on Resurrection. I will not I will not be doing this good movie bullshit. <laughs> James, thank you so much for coming on. We absolutely appreciate having you here. And this was a lot of fun to talk about. Been a blast. So uh, James Breakwell, How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, Lesson in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. When does that come out? It comes out uh, start of June. The, the original release date was June 1st. Apparently, with everything going on in the world, there's a paper shortage, so they've pushed it back to June 8th-ish, but it's somewhere in there. You could definitely get it. Basically, they took the, the they took the embargo date off, so as soon as Amazon and the other retailers get it, they'll ship it. So look for it early June. All right, guys, just June 1st, log on, start refreshing until it shows up. You can also <laughs> find him on explodingunicorn.com and on social media as uh, Exploding Unicorn. That is without the E, just the X to start. James, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps us out so much. Uh, We also have our Patreon link down in the show notes, which helps us keep the show going. And we'll be back next week. We hope you'll join us then. I'll see you next week, Wen. Bye. Bye. Bye.